Okay, so we've been talking about the circle maker, which is really just about praying circles around things that the Lord's promised us. And basically, it really, what it boils down to is just having faith to believe and not giving up on those things. That's really what the, the basis of it's about. But we're going to, again, look at the children of Israel because, boy, they're a good example of who we should not be and who we are so many times in the same place, the same uh the same season, like, haven't we been here? This looks familiar. Um, and so as a matter of fact, I, I haven't shared this, I don't think publicly, but right before the ladies Bible study started, which I've done several times, um, the week and a half before I really was battling spiritually. And the only way I can describe it is almost, I almost wanted to go into a depression. Like that's the only way I was fighting that. And, um, and I realized what it was, and, and even though you, you realize sometimes it's just like I knew in my mind what it was, and I knew how to fight it, but it's, it's just, it was overwhelming. And um, and I just remember thinking, haven't I been here before? <laughs> like, this is so familiar. This feeling is so familiar. And uh, just really had to fight that in battle. And just had some people that pray, you know, some of my prayer circle people just praying for me. And and uh, as soon as the Bible study started, by the way, it, it lifted. And so you just got to push on sometimes because, you know, the enemy was like, let me just see if I can bring them back here so they'll give up. And we can't. We got to keep circling those promises because God has promises for us. Okay. So just being very vulnerable to you guys. Cloudy with a chance of meatball, uh, chance of meatballs. <laughs> Is that a movie? Yeah. We might need to pray again. I don't know. <laughs> that I have not seen. It's funny. Okay. Cloudy with a chance of quail is the name of the chapter five in this book. <laughs> Maybe I'm hungry. I don't know. Okay. So he taught. Okay. So in the, in the chapter last week, I got to this part. I read this part. So I'm not going to read it again. But at the end of that reading, it said this circle makers are risk takers. Moses had learned this lesson. Well, if we don't take the risk, you forfeit the miracle. Sometimes you'll forfeit the miracle. And that's just taking the risk. Like I know God told me to do this. I'm going to step out in faith to do this. Matter of fact, while we were worshiping Miss Sarah, you'll like this little plug I'm going to put here. Um, I'm going to be in your choir of adults. I I have a choir voice. I would say that I could, you know, sing. I I don't have to have a microphone. Do I before you, before I commit? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So if I can just be, uh, because you know what? I've been on this side of doing productions and I know that you can't just do it with just children. You got to have some adult help. And so it's a step of faith because when Miss Sarah met with me back in March and we talked about some of her dreams for the children's ministry, one of those dreams was doing a Christmas children's production. And so that's a dream of hers. And we're not going to not let that dream happen because she needs some adults who are just choir voices, right? So, and Miss Sarah, I'm going to check because I'm going to, how many you need? Three, four, five. Okay, so we need three people to talk to Miss Sarah. Look, Shana, Miss Debbie, we need one more. Miss Josie, she volunteered in Josie. So <laughs> Josie said, yeah, Miss Robin. Okay, because listen, that's a dream. And we, we dreamt that together, didn't we? We talked about that. And I said, no, I want a children's production because you know what? Children's production equals souls. Because what happens is all those little aunties and grandmas and grandpas come and they, for that production and we give them an opportunity to hear the word of God. And so that's faith. So, yes, I, can't, I have no talent in the singing department. 
Okay, so we have two men that's in the choir too. So we're going to write that down. Blaine and that would be Seth. <laughs> if you just get us the CD, we can learn the songs. I mean, we can do that, right? Let's see that. <laughs> Guys, that is, a, that is by faith. We're going to take us because because circle makers are risk takers. And we're going to take a risk and we're going to get up there. As long as I don't have the microphone. I don't have the microphone, I can do it. <laughs> Blaine can sing. Okay. Sister girl, Blaine can sing. Okay. So, but here, here's what I want to say. Okay, let's get, let's get back to the lesson. I just, man, while I was singing, I was just thinking that, you know what? Sometimes we just got to take a step of faith and it's probably not what I want, what I would want to do readily, but it's what I can do, right? We all can do something. We all can take risk when it comes to God. He took a risk on us, a scandalous risk on us. He lets us proclaim his name, which to me is scandalous because we could blow it. Seriously, we could all blow this any day. And, and if we do, there's forgiveness and grace. And so that's the amazing thing about God. So I'm going to take a risk on God. I'm going to, I'm going to sing in the Christmas choir. So there you go. If Pastor Mo wants to, he probably shouldn't. Okay, so let's go to Numbers 11. Love when you can have fun in the house of the Lord. You get people to volunteer. <laughs> hey, I'm going to be right there with you. I'll be helped keeping y'all on key. I'll bring a key. I don't know if I can keep you on key. Okay, <laughs> 11, 4 through 6. This is what it says here um, in the NIV version. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. Remember the 105 million quail we talked about last time? The, they, wanted, they wanted something besides manna, which by the way was a miracle. So the Lord said, great, I'll send them quail. And did he ever? 105 million of those. So then they began to grumble again. And begin to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. Oh, this was with the manna. I'm sorry. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost to us. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We will never see anything but this manna. Sorry, this is before the quail. The Israelites longingly remembered the free fish they ate in Egypt and forgot the little fact that the food in Egypt was free because they were not they were slaves in Egypt. Yeah, they forgot that their food was provided for them, but because they were free labor. Um, isn't it interesting that they were complaining about one miracle of manna while they were asking for another miracle of meat? There are miracles around us all the time, yet it is so easy to find something to complain about in the midst of all these miracles. And guys, we have got to be so careful about that. I find myself doing that sometimes. Complaining about the season I'm in Forgetting that I was asking to be out that last season and God brought me to this season. And sometimes I want to complain about it. We have to be careful about that in our family life. I remember when my boys were little, I was always, uh, oh, I can't wait till they can bathe themselves. I will have hit the jackpot when they can bathe and feed themselves. And now they bathe and feed themselves. And I'm like, if they would just stay home some, you know, we always want what we don't have. And to our disadvantage, because we miss the miracles right in front of us sometimes. What happens in church? 
you know, I really don't want to be teaching that class. You know, there may become a day where you physically can't. And then you'll be wishing you could, and you would if you could. Or singing in the Christmas production, whatever. There are miracles here. I mean, just look where the church is at now. It's a miracle. You know, and, and they're, they're, we've got to be careful not to be grumbling and complaining in the season we're in, wanting another miracle to happen when we're not thankful for the miracles we have. Is that good? We've got to be thankful for where we're at. The Israelites did not get this. And we can look at them and say, I mean, they are just some unthankful people. But the truth is, there's a whole bunch of Israelite in all of us. All of us. They're people just like we were with the same complaints, different times, but the same complaints. Okay, but despite their complaining, God patiently responds to their food tantrum with one of the most unfathomable promises in scripture. He doesn't just promise a one-course meal of meat. God promises meat for a month, and Moses can hardly believe it. <laughs> I love Moses. Numbers eleven twenty-one through 22 says this, but Moses responded to the Lord. So this is Moses' response after God says, I'm going to give him this. There are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. And yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month. Even if we butchered all the flocks and the herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Moses was doing the math in his mind and it doesn't add up. Not even close. He's trying to think of any conceivable way that God could fulfill this promise. And he can't think of one single scenario. Have you been there? I know I have. You know that God wants you to do. He wants you to take that job with less pay, but it doesn't add up. You know that God wants you to go on that missions trip, but it doesn't add up. You know that God wants you to vote no to save a church, but it doesn't make sense. There are times when God will ask us to do something and there's a promise. And in our human mind, it does not make sense. I cannot logically put my mind around what God's asking me to do or what he wants me to do. That's when you come to the crossroads of faith and fear and which one are you going to take? Because, you know, if I'm going to take a faith crosswalk, that's going to be a lot. That's going to be real fearful. Or I can take fear. I already been here. I already know I'm just going to take the road less traveled because I don't want to step out in faith like that. It's scary. And then this is not even in my notes. But what about this? What if God don't do what he said he's going to do? And then I'll look like a fool. I know I ain't the only one that ever felt like that. Hey, guys, you know what? I said this, I think, last time because I heard it on my CD. That we got to get to the place where we stop caring what people think about us. And if I'm going to be a fool, I'm going to be a fool for God. I'm going to be a fool for faith. And I'm going to believe until my last day. I'm going to believe the word of God, whether I ever see it come about in my lifetime or not, because I know the character of God and I know that his word is true. And I got to love Moses here, man. I can relate to Moses so much that God, okay, these people are asking for this and you're going to give it to them. And you want me to tell them that you're going to give it to them. And I can't figure out how you're going to give it to them. And I know what Moses was thinking. They're going to kill me if you don't, if I say this and this don't happen, they're going to kill me, Lord. But you know, Moses got, I think Moses a long time ago got to the place where, you know what, God, I look foolish in front of, front of Pharaoh. I couldn't even talk. I look foolish in front of the burning bush when I was talking to a bush. Like I left the foolishness a, a long time ago. I left it back because I'm going to do what you say to do. So let's keep uh, reading. Meat for a month seems like an impossible promise. 
And Moses has to decide whether he's going to circle that promise. Logic is screaming no. Faith is whispering yes. Isn't that funny how logic always screams and faith whispers? This reminds me of another food miracle that happened in the Bible. So the author's talking about here. 1,500 years later, Jesus is wanting to feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two small fish. Five plus two equals seven. That's basic addition. (laughs) Except God don't work in addition. God uses multiplication. So with him, five plus two equals 5,000. And not only does he multiply, not only does he multiply, but after they ate, the disciples collected, how many baskets? Anybody know? 12 baskets. So in God's world, it would read like this, five plus two equals 5,000 with the remainder of 12. Now that wouldn't work even in the new math that they're trying to do. So what little you have to offer God, your time, your treasure, your talent, it may not add up to you, but in his hands, he multiplies it. See, I can't really sing, Miss Sarah, (laughs) but by faith, I'm going to make a dream come true. And I'm going to see that fulfilled. And by faith, God's going to take my talent and my time and my treasure, and he's going to multiply that. And he's going to bless his church for stepping out in faith and getting out of our comfort zone and doing the things that we don't like to do. Yes, Lord. Okay. Um, it, it blinked and it talked. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, guys, see, we are trying to add it up. And God, this is not adding up. And I think God's saying, it's because I don't do addition. Never have, never will. I'll multiply. I'm going to multiply that. See, when God talks about, and I think we're going to get to this in a minute, but when he talks about blessing you, he blesses you 30, 60, 100 fold, right? He don't say, I'm going to add three, six, and nine. I'm going to bless you 30, 60, and 100. And so we got, to, we got to get to the place where we stop trying to make it add up in our mind. We know God's told us something. We step out in faith and we do it. We take the, we take the step of faith. And God will do the rest. And boy, he comes through every time. I'm, I'm going to steal Tracy's thunder a little bit. And so I'm going to tell her that I shared this with y'all. And I'm sure she'll be okay with it. Before she left for Labor Day, um, she got paid. And she was going up to see her family in, in Monroe, and they were all coming. Her, um, her mom and dad were coming, her stepdad were coming from Tennessee. Her, her, she was, her dad lives in West Monroe and her grandma. Her brother and his family was coming over, and they were all going to have a weekend. Just, a, you know, it was a holiday weekend. And so she said, before I left, she said, I needed to pay my tithes. And she said, I had this thought in my mind. Not that I wasn't going to pay them, but I might pay them when I get back, just in case I needed the money. And she said, in my mind, I had this little battle going on. And like, I knew I should just go ahead and write the check because that's not really my money. But I was like, but what if I get stuck and I got Tinsley? And she said, I had this battle. And she said, not willingly, I mean, not like freely, just kind of, I'm just doing it because this is the right thing to do. I wrote the check and left it on my table. Like it's, that's out of my checkbook. It's done. Right. She said, uh, when they, when she got there, she said, by the time she left, everybody's so proud of her, but her family wanting to bless her. She said it was exactly a hundred times what her tithe check was sitting on that table. Think about that. It was a hundred fold blessing. She said, Miss Chantel, I'm scared to death. What would have happened if I wouldn't took that step of faith? Sometimes when we take the risk of just doing what's right, it wasn't even, that wasn't even requiring anything extra or big. That's just what was right. Like God will just bless you doing what's right. And when we do that, I'm so, I, 
praise the Lord. When I heard that, I was shouting with her. And she says, has ever happened to you? I'm like, a thousand times, but I'm just so excited for you because like for me, that, that sealed my deal. Like God has blessed us so many times with crazy stuff like that. But, you know, for me, it's like, I don't, but when it's real for somebody else, I get so excited because it, God, he, he's going to take care of us. He's going to multiply the blessings when we do what's right. And especially when we take the risk that's scary to take, right? Okay. One more thing, right before Jesus fed the 5,000, he gave thanks. He didn't wait until after the miracle. He praised before the miracle happened. Well, you know, that's my thing. We're always going to be thankful. So we just start thanking God. So what do you need to thank God for today? Do you need to thank God for that raise that you know is yours? Do you need to thank God for that child that's going to come back to the Lord because that's a promise? Do you need to thank God for healings? Do you need, what do you need to thank God for that hasn't happened already, but you know God and you know his character? Before Jesus ever fed the 5,000, he gave thanks and thanked the Lord, thanked the Father for feeding the 5,000. And so, by the way, there was more than 5,000 there too, just in case you didn't know that. Okay, you are only one defining decision away from, away from a totally different life. And it's those defining decisions that become the defining moments of our lives. So what do you do when a dream doesn't fit within the logic constraints of your left brain? Because <laughs> remember we talked about that last week about the, the logical side of our left brain and the imaginative creative side of our right brain. And for those of you who aren't here, what we talked about was we get to a place in our life where we stop living from the, on the right side and we start living more on the left side. I, I think it comes with some age and maturity and wisdom. But again, I'm going to repeat this because I think it's just worth repeating that the Bible says unless we come as little children, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. I really think, this is just my interpretation, but I really think what that means is until we start having faith like a child and living out of the imaginary creative part of our left side of our brain. Now, there's a lot to say about the right side. We need both of them working together. But I think sometimes we get off balance, especially as we get to be adults. Well, I know God can. I'm just not sure he will. And we think that a lot. My problem is never knowing God can. Like, I've already sealed that. Your problem may not even know he can. But whatever it is, he can and he will. And I'm just going to believe him until he does. Right? I'm going to believe he's going to do that. Okay. So, what do you do with a promise that seems impossible? What do you do with faith that seems foolish? You do like Moses and you circle the promise, even when it means risking your reputation. The will of God will never add up in human calculations, ever, ever, ever. It will never make sense. Moses had no earthly idea how God was going to keep his promise. But that isn't our business anyway. That's God's business. Too often, we let how get in the way of what God wants to do. And, we, and so what? We just don't do it at all. Um, you know, I can only use my personal experience and Sometimes when I'm teaching, I'm like, I hate to keep talking about my stories, but that's all I have is my personal life journey. Um, and I just think back to this last season of our life. You know, when we left the district office, um, one of the things when we were making this decision was we didn't know what the future was going to hold. And we had an option to stay with an, and do another job at the district office. And we knew that wasn't right. We knew that wasn't going to be true to our calling. That would have been the easy way, though. Because we'd have stayed there, we'd, have, we'd, we'd created this community. I was going to a great church. Um, in, in everybody's eyes, it would have made sense to stay. 
and, but we knew that wasn't what God was calling us to. And not only did we just know that we were miserable. So sometimes God really gets us to a place where he gets us beyond ourselves. So it wasn't that just, that just didn't make sense. I, I, even if I could, I can't live like this because we're, we're not fulfilling what God's called us to do. Um, and so then, so then the next step was, okay, well then what church do you want to go pastor? And so we looked at the churches that were open. We made a phone call to some friends out of state that we knew that we made connections with and man, nothing felt right. And my whole thing and pastors too, was that we're not going to make a decision based on emotional, like this looks good. This area looks good. This church looks good. There was this place in Oklahoma that I kept really going back to, you know, and I was like, something just doesn't feel right about it. And you know what? I would rather do nothing than step out of the will of God. So we're going to do nothing. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You come home. And uh, it was a good time to come home, uh, you know, because most parents and being back home, we had not been back home and, and Teen Challenge opened up and God opened up doors during this season. Here's what I, here's just my whole point of this was, God, I can look back now a year later and see how God orchestrated all those steps to put us right here. I couldn't have seen it then. And if you would have told me then, it would have been a double no. Like, I, you know, but in my, logically, it didn't make sense what was happening. And there is nothing worse than knowing that what I'm doing is because all the other options are a hard no. This is a soft maybe. And there's nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse than being in limbo like that. But when you know you're God and you stay faithful and you become better and not bitter, I was reminded today that's just really a change of some letters. Become better and not bitter. God will open up doors where you can't even imagine. And sometimes he'll give you what you never thought you always wanted. Really, sometimes he'll give you what I never thought I wanted this. This is what I always wanted. I always wanted to be in a place where we make a difference in a community and my boys are involved in their school and all of my family are there. I've always wanted that. God will sometimes give us that, but we have to take a step of faith even when it doesn't make sense. Guys, even when, listen, there's nothing scarier than that. There's nothing more frustrating with that. There's nothing that'll try your, how saved you are than that. But when you take the step of faith and you do what God's calling you to do, God's going to bless that. And he's not going to like, it's going to be a little blessing. It's going to be a multiplication blessing because God's in the multiplying. So what do you do when you can't figure out how God is going to come through on your dreams, on his promises he's made? You pray and you keep on praying until the miracle happens. It's risky business to believe God but not nearly as risky as not believing God. Let me say that again. It's risky business to believe God, but not nearly as risky as not believing God. The greatest risk is failing to circle the promises of God because we forfeit the miracles God wants to perform for us. Let's go to Luke 6 and 38. Oh, if, if you only know what God would do, if you would believe only the greatest things Smith Wigglesworth said, Oh, what God would do if you would believe him only the greatest things. So many great things. Luke six and 38 says this, give, and it will be given unto you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So do you believe in the law of measures? If you do, give big. God will bless big. 
God will always win at that game. Always. He'll always win. God, if I'm going to, I hate to keep bringing this up, but if I'm going to sing in this Christmas thing and you know that's not really what my talent and I'm going to do that, God, I know that you're going to bless me for that. And I don't do it to get the blessings of God. I do it because I'm taking a step of faith and God blesses. I do my job. He does his job. So I don't know what it is in your life, where you're at, what he's telling you to do. But we got to keep circling that. And what that means is we don't let go of that. God, I'm going to keep believing you for that. I'm going to keep believing you. And let me go back to the first week. Sometimes we don't have the great things from God because we don't ask great things of God. You know, it's real easy for me to ask God to help me lose weight. That's really more about me. Right? I could ask for the self-control, which is the fruit of the, fruit of the spirit. But that's really in my control. How about if I ask God to give me Berwick as my inheritance? That's going to take a whole lot more than me to happen. How about if I ask God to give me favor with the government of this town? That's going to take a little more than me to happen. You know, what, what are we asking God for? How about we ask God to heal somebody of cancer? That's going to take all God and none of me. Well, I mean, my part is to believe. So what are we asking God for? Our part is just, so let me go back to the first part of this book. What do you believe in God for? I gave some of you journals. I have a few more if you need. And start writing down your dreams. The crazy stuff. Like the stuff that I need to put a lock and a key on this because I don't want anybody else to see. Because if you saw it, you're going to probably try to commit me. Right? It's the stuff that I cannot do. It's the stuff that if God does do, I'm scared to death. But I'm going to ask. He just might come through. That just might be his will. I'm going to ask if the, my, the desire is there, that had to come from somewhere. So I'm going to ask God. I'm going to ask him for those things. Good. You learning something? Oh, man, I'm doing good on time. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Let's get back to the quail. Back in Numbers 11. So remember, they made their request. God said, and then Moses responded. <laughs> So now let's look up and see what happens with the quail. Cloudy with a chance of quail. I got to say it slow. Numbers 11, verses 31 and 32. So here's what happened. How many, before we even read this, how many know this story? Okay, it's only the craziest story ever. Okay, so you just got to listen to it. I mean, I don't even know. Hollywood has nothing on God. I'll tell you, this is crazy. Okay, so here's what it says. Now a wind went out from, a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It brought them down all around the camp to about three feet above the ground. Okay, hang on a second. I, you got to get this. The, the wind from the Lord, which means it was not hurricane wind. It was not a tornado. It was not just, okay. God sent the wind and the quail came from the sea and he blew it in and it was three feet high. I don't know how tall three feet is, but that could be three feet high. <laughs> it's like, that's not really, okay, Lord, maybe that's not quite what I wanted, but okay. As far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers. Then they spread them out all around the camp. <laughs> so crazy. Okay, so to make this even more crazy and unbelievable, let me just read what the author wrote here. 
The Israelites were parked in the desert of Paran, a region about 50 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea. So I want you to just picture this. 50 miles southwest of the Dead Sea, 50 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. The significance is this. Quail tend to live by the water, and they don't fly long distances. If it hadn't been for a supernatural west wind, they would never have made it that far inland. So this is, it's a a meteorological miracle. And it's not just a miraculous west wind. The clouds burst and rained quail from the sky. When quail get tired, they dive bomb. We're not talking about a perfectly angled duck that makes a smooth landing on a watery runway. The quail were falling from the sky like huge pieces of hail. There had to be more than one bruised noggin on that day it rained quail. They were popping Advil in Israel for sure that day. Scriptures also say that some of the quail flew into the camp about three feet off the ground, so there had to have been some below-the-belt issues as well. you got to love this, Arthur. Based on the Hebrew system of measurement, a day's walk was approximately 15 miles in any direction. So if you square the radius and multiply it by pi, we're talking about an area that was almost 700 square miles. To put that into perspective, Washington, D.C. is 68.3 square miles. Washington, D.C., 68.3, we're talking about an area of 700 square miles. Not only was this an area 10 times larger than the nation's capital, but the quail were piled three feet deep as well. Can you, and Moses was wondering if there was going to be enough. Can you imagine seeing that many birds fly into the camp? It was like a bird blizzard. The cloud of birds was so massive that it seemed like a solar eclipse for the rest of their lives. When the eyewitnesses who were there that day closed their eyes at night, they counted quail. Once the quail stopped falling, the Israelites started gathering. Each Israelite gathered gathered no less than 10 homers. 10 homers multiplied by 600,000 men equals 6 million homers at a minimum. A homer equated to roughly 20 liters. And assuming that the quail were an average size, it ranged somewhere in the neighborhood of 105 million quail. God doesn't just provide in dramatic dramatic fashion. God provides in dramatic proportion. One of the reasons I love this miracle is because it is a miracle pun. This miracle is recorded in the book of Numbers, and the Greek word for numbers is where we get our word arithmetic. Recorded in the book of arithmetic is a miracle that doesn't even begin to add up. Guys, okay, I just have to take a little humor here. I'm thinking God was like, oh, you want quail? (laughs) You're going to get quail. You're going to get quail. Take cover because you're getting quail. Sometimes we've got to be careful what we ask for. God's like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to give you that. And we've got to start thanking God sometimes for unanswered prayer. Because uh, that I know they got quail for a month, but it didn't come at, a, at no cost. I'm sure with that many quail coming in that quick, somebody got hurt. And the Bible doesn't record that because we, we celebrate the miracle here. But you know, there were people just like us and, and crazy things have happened. Crazy things. God provided quail. Maybe it's time we stop doing arithmetic and start doing geometry. Our job is not to crunch numbers and make sure the will of God adds up. After all, the will of God is not a zero-sum game. When God enters the equation, his output always exceeds our input. Our job is to believe. We believe by drawing circles, prayer circles. If we do geometry, 
God will do the multiplication. I love that. If we draw a circle around something and don't give up on the promises of God, you know, a circle is not ending. We don't end what we're believing God for until we see it. We start doing that, God will start multiplying. And I don't know about you. I was, little, I was good at math, but I don't know about you. If you didn't do math very well, this may not make sense to you, but you know what? Everybody can hold on to a promise. Everybody can circle that promise until they see it, those walls fall like Jericho did. And when that happens, God will start multiplying. Remember when we started this book out, it starts talking about the walls of Jericho and how that was a miracle too because the walls didn't fall down. They just went into the ground. They came down. That was a miracle too. And so, man, God is, he's the same God today. Be careful about asking for meat because he might just send quail. All right. When we learned math in school, we learned to add first, then multiply. I mean, then subtract. We learned to add, then subtract. We started with low numbers and gradually increased. Then we went to multiplication and division. Again, starting with the low numbers to the high numbers. This way, it, this was always the way it works. Do you remember doing the flashcards with the kids? You started with multi- adding and subtracting, and then it, some of us are still doing that. <laughs> we're, still, we're still doing that. Um, but, okay, so listen to this, though. This is the way it works spiritually, but many of us never graduate beyond addition and subtraction spiritually. Jesus taught multiplication. Remember the seed that produced a crop 30, 60, 100-fold? The problem is we just, we spiritually don't ever get past first grade. We just still want to add two plus two equals four. And if two plus two don't, don't equal four, then we don't know what's happening here. And if we don't understand it, we can't believe it. And Jesus is saying, listen, you guys are doing addition and subtraction. I want to do multiplication. I need you to kind of grow up spiritually so that you can learn what I want to do in your life. And when I start multiplying the family members that's going to get saved, when I start multiplying the people that are going to start coming to this church, you're going to see that I'm into multiplication, not addition. It may not add up. It may not. But you know what? God has a plan. And his plan is so much bigger than our plan. His plan, he can take five plus two and equal 5,000 any day because he's into multiplication. So let me finish this up here. Let's talk about giving for a minute. I, I have not an idea about everybody's financial situation is, but I do know this. If we give beyond our ability, God will bless you beyond your ability. God wants to bless you 30, 60, and 100 fold. This would have been a good time to tell you about Tracy's thing. And if you're willing to subtract what you're spending on yourself and add it to what you're investing in the kingdom, God will do the multiplication. And if you believe that, you'll circle the promise of God and reap the benefits. Listen to this. Now, I'm just going to talk about giving for a minute because he touched on it in the book, so I'm using it here. But if you're struggling with giving, I'm just going to encourage you to just do what God's requiring, the 10%. Now, many people say, okay, do I give 10% on my gross income, my net income? I've learned it like this. Do you want a, gr- a gross blessing or do you want a net blessing? Like, what do you want God to bless you on? Whatever you've earned and what you, God's required 10%. And I'm living proof that God can do more with 90% than I can with 100. Any day, twice every day. Seriously, I don't even know how it adds up every time. But when I give what God's called me to give, that's the 10%. God then multiplies. And 
then if you graduated beyond that and you're like, yep, I got that, and you want to take a step of faith and start giving more, God just blesses more. In our life, personally, I'll just tell you because we always just try to be transparent. Um, we, we've always tried to give 10%, that's required, and then give an extra 10% to missions and whatever else, and we several things we support. Because um, I thought, this is what I thought one day. If God can do this with 90, I wonder what he can do with 80. Because, see, that won't make sense to me. But in, in that kingdom, he can do a whole lot more with what I give up. So, so we started testing God in that. And we started saying, okay, God, we're going to give. And I don't have time to go into all the, the things that the blessings, but God never one time, one time ever has let us down. We've never, ever, ever missed one paycheck, even if we didn't have a job. It's the craziest things. And, you know, it will be crazy things that will happen. I'll just tell you this little quick story. You probably all have a story like this. But last summer, Mo worked for the school, but he wasn't, he was a contracted worker, so he didn't get paid through the summer. We knew that, so we saved up for what we, our expense would be for the summer. What I didn't calculate right was Clico bill, because all of a sudden we was in this little rent house in Baldwin that was off the ground. I've never been, I never lived in a house off the ground, and and it was old, an old house. And anyway, my Clico bill was double what I thought it was going to be. So I was like, oh, okay, well we're gonna have to, you know, not eat as much. And if you saw my boys, that was not working. So, okay, I'm, I'm say, God, you know what? I give. I give above what's required. You're going to bless me. We're going to turn the air down some, but this is not my problem. Like, God, this is your problem. I don't know. I'm faithful on my part. I'm going to trust you to be faithful on your part. How many remember last June when Clico said you you got a credit? Did I tell you all this story before? I'm not saying that y'all all all got that credit because the Senecas needed help. Here's what I'm saying. I'm faithful to God and he's faithful to me. How, it was so crazy. I was like, are you kidding me? Has Clico, I mean, they might have done that before. They've never done that with us. All of a sudden, it was like, there's a credit, and you owe nothing on this month, and you have a credit for next month. And I was like, are you serious, God? So I was like, y'all all got blessed. You welcome. You welcome. Y'all all got blessed. It was so crazy. <laughs> God is faithful. He is faithful. I mean, he's so faithful. I mean, there's been crazy things that's happened. I'm sure if we had Tommy out, there's been crazy things. We've gotten, we've gotten refund checks from insurance policies that we haven't had for 10 years. We got a check in the mail. And I'm like, <laughs> at the right time. Really? Okay, God. Like, I'm never going to, listen, I done learned that lesson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give more. And I, I know I told you all this, but when the devil tries to come up with my finances, when he tries to scare me, like, you don't make enough, I give more. Because he's not going to scare me. There's one thing I hate to be, and that's scared. And I know I don't have to be scared with the promises of God on my life. So if the devil's going to come at me with fear of my finances, which, by the way, he doesn't anymore, because he loses. Because the minute I do the budget, so the minute I feel like we may not have enough money, I'm like, call Paul Bradford. Hey, I'm sending you an offering. Whatever. Like, I'm okay, devil, overplay your hand one time. One more time, overplay your hand. He woke me up one night, the devil did. One, I mean, plenty of times, but one time he woke me up, uh, scared me with a this demonic presence. I felt it. I woke up, and I got mad because I do not like being waking up from my sleep. And so I got up, not because I wanted to, but because I was going to teach him a lesson. See, he tries to teach us a lesson, but I have more power. So I got up, and I prayed for a solid hour for everybody I knew in spiritual warfare. I started praying. And then I got back in my bed and I said, 
You want to try it again tomorrow night? I didn't think so. Don't let the devil do that to you. You combat whatever he's bringing on you and fear in your life. You combat that with the word of God. Whatever he's doing, if he's making you fearful that, that something's wrong with you and you might get a bad report, you start praying for everybody you know who needs a healing touch. And you start interceding on their behalf. Don't make it about you. Make it about them and God's promises. And the devil will leave you alone because he's like, you know what? This scare tactics didn't work. As a matter of fact, it's backfiring. I, I tell him, just overplay your hand one more time. Don't let him do that to you. God has some great things in store for you guys, for us guys, for the church. Like he wants to bless us, but he can only bless you as much as he can trust you. See, sometimes we have trouble trusting God and it's God who has the trouble trusting us. Cause like, I can do that for you, but I got to know that I'm, I'm going to be able to trust you. How does God trust us with our time, our treasure and our talents? So what are we not giving to God that belongs to him? Because once he can trust you with that he's given you, he'll give you more. He'll give you more. My boys, a little bitty at the school, had a little, they were in a little play for Christmas. And Hayden had a solo. And in his solo, I just remember because we had to practice it a million times, said, I'm blessed to be a blessing. The reason I'm blessed is to be a blessing. I don't know how the song went, but that was the words of the song. And man, a little bitty like that, that stuck, that stuck with me all these years. When I'm blessed of God, it's not just for the Senecas. It's who can we bless? We're going to be blessed when God can trust us to be a blessing. Because if you're just going to keep everything he's given you, he's not going to trust you to give you that. He's about kingdom business. It's for the kingdom. Hey, I'm going to probably end right here. Last night we went to a minister's alliance meeting for this area. And I, we were sitting down. We were at Bethel Church. We were sitting down and right on the, next to me, was the sweetest little pastors who just retired from 37 years from the United Pentecostal Church. Right across from them was some little pastors who, I'm going to tell you about them in a minute, but they were from a, a non-denominational church. And on the other side of us was the, the new pastors from at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Across from us was the lady pastor from the Methodist Church. And then, of course, we had all, you know, the, lots of Baptist pastors from, okay, and I'm looking in this room, and we were all coming together for just one common goal, just bringing Jesus to our community. How can we work together? We, and we had the uh, superintendent of the schools there, and he was like, you know, he, he asked us to pray for him in our schools. And, okay, it was just a great thing. But I'm sitting there thinking about this. This is what heaven is going to be like. Because it really didn't matter how anybody was dressed. It really didn't matter what denomination we were. We all came together together. <laughs> In, in the name of Jesus, to bless each other and bless our community. And then I thought about that. You know, we get blessed when we become a blessing. When it's not about my church, but it's about the kingdom of God. And if we can ever get kingdom focused like that, it will not be about us anymore. And that's when you're going to start seeing the multiplication blessings happen. I felt such of the favor of God on that meeting last night. It was like, I didn't want to leave. Because God's favor was there because there was unity in the community, which is what it's about and how we can work together, what we can do together. And you're going to hear some things that are coming up with that. These, these little pastors I set, this is not in my notes. I just got to tell you this. How, am I doing? How am I doing? Okay. These little pastors I sat by last night across from, they, if I had to guess, they were in their 60s. I'm just guessing. Because she told me that 
I overheard her say she went to Guatemala. So I said, oh, I've been to Guatemala, but um, my heart's in El Salvador. I really love El Salvador. So we're talking. And she says, oh, do you know Spanish? And I was like, well, not really. <laughs> I mean, when I go, I'll for, brush up and kind of know enough to get me in trouble, kind of. But anyway, we, so we started talking. And she said, you know, we didn't learn Spanish until we were in our 50s. And we went to Guatemala twice. The first time we stayed two weeks, the next time we stayed three weeks. And I was like, you learn Spanish in your 50s. I couldn't get past that. I was like, I'm like, I'm about done with what I want to learn. And I'm like, what? And she said, yeah. And she said, um, and so I was asking about the church they were at. And she was telling me they've been there 21 years. I was like, man, great. This, the little people inside of me, were, they just retired for 37 years. And she said, uh, she said, and right now, and she's all excited telling me what's happening in her life. And she said, and right now, um, I am in an online class. The University of, I think she said Arizona somewhere, and I am learning how to teach English as a second language. And I said, "You learn Spanish in your fifties, and you teach it." I said, "Well, so what's what's the plan?" And she said, "I said, y'all, are y'all going to go back to another country where you can teach that?" She goes, "Oh, I don't know." And I said, "Okay." She said, "Here's what you need to know: with God, you just got to be ready." He put that desire in my heart, and I hope He sends us somewhere. But if he doesn't, it won't be because I wasn't ready. Oh, I was so convicted. I was like, oh, Lord, what am I not learning or doing? That? Gosh, I was so convicted. Like, I'm in a good conviction. Like, man, like I'm like settled. Like I want to just be a settler right now. Just, you know, I'm settled here in my community. And there, if I had to guess in their 60s and they're just dreaming, like, they're just like, we're going to go wherever God sends us, Guatemala, the Netherlands. She said, I was like, the Netherlands. <laughs> oh, my goodness. God wants to just keep blessing us, and we have got to be ready. Guys, I wasn't even in my notes. That's just a word for us. Like, we have got to be ready for what God's calling us to do. And you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know that singing in this Christmas production, somebody's going to walk in and see you and be like, Blaine is singing? Oh my goodness, there must be something to this. You don't know teaching that class will put you somewhere. You know, seriously, when I look back over my life, I couldn't have orchestrated this, but people will ask sometimes how we got in full-time ministry because pastor has a medical degree, a pre-med degree. I have a business degree. How did you get in full-time ministry? We set up chairs for youth service. That was what we did. 150 chairs every Wednesday night and had to take them down every Wednesday night because it was a multi-purpose building. And that's what we started doing. And we were faithful. Then we started doing the air conditioner units on Sunday night. And we were faithful. Now, we weren't doing that saying, oh, I hope one day we get in full-time ministry. That was never our desire. Ever. Not, not, that wasn't even a thought back then. We were just faithful to what God's given us. Faithful. Be faithful to the little things. Be faithful to the cleaning ministry if you're doing that. You know, sometimes a cleaning ministry with God is just a test. Can I trust you to be faithful? Can I trust you to be faithful teaching Sunday school, teaching rangers, teaching missionettes? Can I trust you to be faithful with media? And if I can trust you, I can bless you. And so some of us will look at people and like Beth Moore says, we do a whole lot of wishing and wanting because somebody else is more blessed than us. And all we got to do is step back and say, oh, they're really just more faithful than us. Because when it comes down to it, sometimes that's really what it is. And we have to be faithful. So be faithful with the little things and you'll see God multiplying blessings in your life. That's what this whole circle maker book is about. Let me see how, how, many, how much time I got. But I got till 45, so. 
Okay, but I was giving myself some time. So let's finish this up. If you're still living in a world of addition and subtraction, you'll have a difficult time with God because he's into multiplication. God isn't offended by our big dreams. Actually, God's offended with anything less. And I know that because it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, we won't dream big. We won't believe for big things. So what are the big things you're dreaming about in your life? Surely you're not just living day to day. Listen, I'm not bringing them little pastors in here that's learning Spanish and teaching English as a second language. And I'm thinking they're about to retire. And it was not even close. They were, that's not even what they were thinking at all. They were still busy for the kingdom of God. If God, she said, if God would choose to send us somewhere, we're ready. I was like, wow. Wow, we got to get ready. So God's offended by anything less than dreaming big dreams. Your dreams may start out small, and God will honor those humble dreams. But as your faith grows, so does your dreams. Until you dare to dream 30, 60, and 100-fold dreams. And when you draw those God-sized circles, it gives the all-knowing one room to work. If you do the geometry and draw prayer circles around your Jericho, whatever that is, God will take care of the multiplication. And the bigger the prayer circle, the more God can multiply. If you claim the promise, who knows? God just might send 105 million quails into your camp. And that's provision. And when that happens, guys, we have got to start um, knowing that God is blessing us for more than just to say, look at me being blessed. He's blessing us to bless others. So what are you dreaming about? What's God doing in your life? What's God, you know, when, when me and Miss Sarah met back in March, I said, Miss Sarah, what's your dream for the children's ministry? And we, and we wrote, she wrote, she wrote out some things for me. We talked about some things. And then I said, okay, well then what happens when this happens? What's your next step? Like we have always got to be stretching. And I know from that meeting that what's happening here, VBS was a dream. That was a dream come true. We believed for that. And did not God answer exactly like we asked? Yes. Did you have enough workers? Specifically what we prayed for, God answered. I was thinking, man, we should have asked for 200 kids. We weren't ready for that, but we should have. (laughs) We should have asked for more workers. But you know what? We dreamt big. And God's going to do it. This church, if we start dreaming bigger than we've ever dreamed, this church is going to see things it's never seen. In your life, your family will start seeing things you've never seen. We've got to take a step of faith, guys, and just start believing. And it's not even a, a name it or claim it. I'm saying take a risk. Say, and I'm not even saying tell anybody. I'm saying write it in your journals, and it's between you and God. There's going to come a day where we may just put it out there. And, and listen, I see people who put it out there, and I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> but you know what? That's me of little faith. Maybe I should learn Spanish. I don't know. I was a little bit convicted. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should. do. I, I'm going to have to go reassess my life with God and say, what am I not doing that I should be, that I don't want to but should be? Because sometimes we get what we never knew we always wanted. Sometimes that happens. We believe God. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to let one or two people give me a quick testimony about taking a step of faith in God coming through. Because you know what? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. It's already been done and the word of our testimony. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you give us permission to dream big. Lord, I thank you that multiplication 
equals bigger numbers in addition. So, Lord, I ask that you multiply our faith. God, I ask that even tonight, as we leave this place, you'll begin to drop things in our spirit that seem so crazy we can't even voice it to our spouse. But, God, we know that you planted a dream in our heart. And, God, when you start, when we start believing you for those dreams and we start seeing them fulfilled, God, we will thank you. God, I thank you for the promises over this community. I thank you for the words that you've given us, God. I thank you for the prophecies. God, I thank you for the prayer circles that we've drawn around, God, to say yes and amen to everything you said that you have for this church. And, Lord, we ask, God, that you would increase our faith, God, that so we can see bigger and better things for you. God, it doesn't even matter how old we are, Lord. You've still given us time treasure and talents that we can use for your kingdom help us to be a blessing god to your kingdom so that you god can be a blessing to us we thank you for that in jesus name amen amen okay i need somebody to take a step of faith don't be shy okay sister garland let me come bring the microphone so we can get this on vid- on tape yes okay yes. when we bought our house many years ago uh uh, there, there's a lot next door to us. And so uh, we bought the house, but the man wanted to wait to sell the lot in the next year, which was just a few months away. Well, we couldn't afford the lot, but we wanted it. And there was a, there's a holly tree that grows in that lot. And I had been praying about it and praying about it. And when I drove into the driveway, I looked at that holly tree, holly tree, and realized that's my holly tree that the Lord put in my heart. That's my holly tree. Well, unfortunately, that's back when Carter was president and he froze all the wages. Y'all, some of you can remember, uh, nobody could get a raise. You were stuck in your position. Donald worked offshore for mobile and he was already at the top of his the tech, uh, the technicians, he was already in the top grade of his technicians, couldn't move up. So we were stuck, but I knew that was my lot because that was my holly tree. And so it came time to, the man wanted to sell it. And I had prayed about it and I said, Lord, you put it in my heart, that's my holly tree. So because he was offshore, I had power of attorney and I went and Signed for the purchase of the lot with not the first penny to pay for the payments. Step of faith. Donald, I don't remember if he called or came in, but said, they've created another grade. They've created another grade to promote me to another level. But I had already signed. Yes, I signed as faith. The raise he got because of his grade was the amount we owed monthly on the lot. God is so good. One more? Anybody? Miss Lorraine? Could get long, but I'm not going to get long. <laughs> okay, after 27 uh, years of marriage, I got a divorce. And then I fell, I got hurt from a job, and so I had to put everything in storage. And I was totally didn't have any money. I went and lived from house to house, was homeless. Um, I didn't have anything, and so uh, I tried to get 
<clears throat> excuse me, try to get Medicaid, try to get Medicare, try to get SSI, try to get food stamps, tried to get all of that. They said I couldn't get it because I didn't have SSI. So I came to a revival, and uh, at the end, they were taking the love offering. And I said, God, I want to give because I've always gave since 74, since I got saved, gave my love offering and, and tithe and all that. You know, and I said, God, I want to give. He said, give what you got. So I took my high heel shoes off and I put it in the plate. And it went clank, clank, clank. You know, everybody turned around and they just laughed at me. So anyway, I went home without any shoes. And so uh, the next night I went to a home Bible study. <clears throat> And this couple was from out of the country. And they, they looked at me. They said, I just want to tell you that what you did last night, God said he's going to turn around within 14 days. Well, within 14 days, I had Medicaid. I had Medicare. I had SSI. I had food stamps. And I had an apartment the first time. <clears throat> so I go to the mailbox. And I had in my SSI check. And I had my... Uh, my uh, light bill, I think it was my light bill. Well, they had already taken half of my SSI checks. So I said, okay, God, what do I do? I'll pay my, my light bill or I'll pay my tithe. I said, never mind, I know what to do. <laughs> so your word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else is going to be added unto you. And so I paid my tithe out of that. And before I turned around the next day, I had six months worth of utilities in my account. So it's it was daily, totally, totally walking by faith, not by sight. If I say, God, I need $20 for this, I go to mailbox. Total strangers from out, pretty much the United States were sending me money. One day I went to a uh, <clears throat> grocery store, and I didn't have any money. It was around Christmas time. Didn't have any money at all. And, and uh, I went, and uh, I think I had just a couple of dollars left, food stamps left on my uh, account. And uh, they had a buggy right behind my my um car and so i went to move it and i looked down and there was uh looked like a couple of dollars in a little clip and i bent down i picked it up and i was going to my car uh, just to count it i'm one two doesn't it won't take me long to count that and so i put the uh, buggy up <clears throat> i counted it was 432 dollars and I said, God, I said, somebody lost their children's Christmas. Our church lost its tithe. God, I can't keep this. You know, so I went and gave it back to the people in the store. I said, I'm going to be praying that they come back and get it, even though I don't have. I know what it is not to have. So uh, <clears throat> I brought it to him. He says, okay. I said, I'm going to be praying now. I really am. He said, if they don't come in a week, he said, this money is yours. And so uh, they called me a week. They didn't come. And it was uh, a clip set from New York. And the first the first lady, I remember when we went uh, so winning, Cartana Mall in Baton Rouge, first lady that we went to witness to, she was from New York. God brought that to me that day, same lady. But anyway, God's good and he's your provider. He's going to provide, I don't care what. Ah, some good testimonies. I'm sure we have a bunch more. But you know what I feel like? I feel like... Um, and, you know, we never do offering on Wednesday nights. But, Brother Donald, I'm going to do offering tonight. Because I feel like there's some people here that you've been hearing these testimonies and you've been circling and there's been promises that, that you know God has for you that you haven't seen yet. And I'm just going to ask you to pray and just hear from God. And some people, listen, it's not that the church needs your offering. You need to give. Because God wants to bless you. But he needs to be able to trust you. 
So this is just an offering tonight. I mean, it's, if, if you're paying your tithes, that's fine, but this is just an offering. And this is just an offering just say, for you to say, you know what, God, if, if you need this, if God's speaking to you, you've been, and you want to s- test God and see, because you can do this in this area, we're just going to do that. I just, as she was talking, I just felt like, you know what, some people need to be given an opportunity to, to step out in faith. We've been talking about it, so let's take an opportunity to step out in faith. So let me just pray. Lord, I just pray right now, God. Lord, I cast out the spirit of fear, God, over people right now, Lord. God, that I know that you're speaking to some people, God, that you're asking us to trust you. And, Lord, here in America, what, our, our, the, the God that we serve in America, not even meaning to our culture, is money. So, Lord, we're going to put our faith where our, our idol is at in this country, and that's money. So we're going to say, God, to you, if you need a breakthrough tonight, God, we're going to give. God, as a test of faith to say, God, we're taking a risk. We're going to step out in faith, God. We're going to be obedient to your voice, God. And God, we're going to know, God, we're going to circle the promises that say you're going to give. We're going to give and you're going to give back to us, God. However that, however you choose to do that, we're going to be a blessing to your kingdom. So I just ask right now that you bless your people with the gift of faith like never before. Remove doubt, remove fear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, I do have, we'll take up an offering. We can go ahead and take it up. And then I do have copies of the notes for tonight. If anybody wants that, they're up here. I do have some more journals. If anybody needs to um, be writing down them, them dreams God's given you, go ahead and do that. Um, and after we do that, if we, we'll be dismissed. Hey, guys, thank you for taking a step of faith. I feel in my spirit that some of you gave tonight fearful, but knowing it was the right thing to do. And I just want you to know that God is going to bless you. He's, he's come through for us time and again. I trust him with my life. I trust him with my salvation. And you know, a lot of times in, in our country, because I've been to other countries where money is such a big thing here. You know, I say that it is our idol of our country. When you go to New York on wall street, there is a golden bull. Like it is the idol of our country. So the one thing I'm not going to let the devil do is get me in bondage in that area because our country is in bondage in that area, but God's people shouldn't be. So if you're believing for a financial miracle and you gave tonight, you start circling that say, God, I gave to you because I don't want to be in bondage to the, to the culture of this country. I'm only going to be in debt to your kingdom. And man, that's, that's a good investment there. It's a good investment.